Next on BYU Sports Nation, seeking a rocky top revival. Would a BYU win at Tennessee put the Cougars entirely back on track after week one? Who will be the biggest offensive weapon for BYU on Saturday? Plus, the voice of the volunteers joins us live from Knoxville. What kind of team and what kind of opposing fan base should BYU expect this weekend? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B... Here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Thursday, September 5th, wherever and however you're connected. Always nice to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who now counts down in threes, Jerem Jordan. On Hard Knocks, featuring the Oakland Raiders, uh, on the season finale Tuesday, John Gruden, the head coach of the Raiders, said that... Uh, he'd been doing this during fall camp. He counts down from 100 by 3, 100, 97, 94, 91, and so on, right? He, is very, he thinks this is a cool thing for some reason. I don't know why. He said uh, he's been doing this for a long time since he was with the Eagles. He said we had a quarterback by the name of Ty Detmer ah. who uh, got a concussion, and they asked him to count down from 3. <laughs> John Gruden said, I don't think that Ty could do it without a concussion. <laughs> Is counting down from three from 100 a hard thing? Well, it depends on, like, where you start. Like, okay, count down from three, 71, go. Uh, 71, 68, 65, You wouldn't think, 62. but for somebody that might be concussed. Concussed, yes. I'm yeah. talking average, regular in, person. In general. But perhaps that's tough for some. I, I just don't. I'm like, is this a, an amazing thing? Like, is people are impressed by this? Is there anyone out there that has trouble counting down Would, from three or by threes, I should say? Um, but... Certainly, there could be. You know, you should right. probably go to the doctor. But I, get that what I'm saying out. is, are we supposed to be very impressed by this? <laughs> Come on. I just like the reference to Ty Detmer and John yeah, Gruden throwing yeah. a shot. Hey, he probably couldn't do it when he's not yeah. concussed. I Ty, don't feel intimidated. Ty, Ty's probably smarter than John. Yeah. Ty's a smart dude. Ty's so smart. Very smart. He's the calculus teacher. We've talked about this. Sometimes he runs a calculus offense, and if you don't get it, it's uh, it's tough to. And get, some, a, get an A in that class, And right? sometimes it's each, easier to do the math problems yourselves than teach somebody else. Yes. Yourself. Yes. Hey, I've got three things to count down on today's show lineup. Bob Kessling, voice of the Tennessee Volunteers, will join us. What's the Tennessee fan base feeling right now collectively? Just how dire are things in Knoxville? Jason Shepard goes one-on-one with BYU running backs coach A.J. Stewart. How much more Tyson Williams is in the game plan? And BYU women's soccer coach Jennifer Rockwood on her bobblehead prestige. Now for your Thursday BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football leaves for Tennessee today as they prepare for a highly anticipated, albeit urgent, showdown with the Volunteers this Saturday. Yeah, the Urgency Bowl, as both teams try and avoid a rare 0-2 start. BYU running back Tyson Williams, who's played at Rocky Top, says heading to the Volunteer State may be just what the doctor ordered for the Cougars. Um, Just coming off, um, you know, a big robbery game. Um, Didn't go as we planned, but um, just going into a hostile environment such as Tennessee, um, I think it'll it'll do great for us. 
Countdown to kickoff. 6 Eastern, 4 Pacific, live on BYU TV this Saturday. Anything and everything you could possibly want to know about this matchup, that's where you find it. Spencer live from uh, Neyland Stadium. Jamal Williams and the Green Bay Packers open the NFL regular season with the Chicago Bears tonight. Hopefully your fantasy team is locked in. Williams ran for 464 yards and three touchdowns last season. Jamal. There he is. (laughs) Ty, you're back. He's like the emperor. He never died. (laughs) Number 13, BYU women's volleyball. Hosting Long Island University tonight at 9 Eastern as part of the inaugural BYU doTERRA Classic. Play continues tomorrow as the Cougars take on Sam Houston State and Weber State on Saturday. If it smells of lavender, now you know why in Smith Fieldhouse. And on Twitter, Nick Emery responded to the NCAA's ruling regarding the vacating of all BYU men's basketball wins from both the 2015 uh, and 16 basketball seasons. Quote, Coach Rose and BYU have nothing to do with any of this. I didn't make some right decisions, but a lot of these things were blown way out of proportion after my divorce by people who wanted to ruin me and my name, end quote. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Fact, BYU has now lost nine games in a row to arch rival Utah. Enough of that. Fact, BYU has started 0-1 in a season for the first time since 2013 and suffered their first home opening loss in a season opener since Boston College in 2005. The Cougars haven't gone 0-2 since 1995. Give me some good news, please. When Steve Sarkeesian took over as a junior college transfer. BYU is now taking on a team that lost to 2-10 and 10 Georgia State, a team that was 2-10 and 10 last year, I should say, and picked to finish 10th, 10th in their conference. This is the urgency bowl, Jerem. Tennessee hasn't started 0-2 since the 80s. So for the Cougars, how much would a win at Tennessee soften the blow of the loss against Utah and all of those bad news facts I just gave you? Not a ton. It's, to me, they're entirely separate things, right? The streak against Utah is obviously a big deal. We're all kind of uh, sports depressed right now with the situation uh, in the rivalry, right? But I hate Utah. Well, thanks, Max. Uh, I can't say I don't disagree. Uh, BYU with an opportunity, though, with an SEC, SEC team on the road, extremely vulnerable after having lost to Georgia State. Yet it's, it could be construed as a bad thing, right? I don't think it covers up a ton. If BYU beats Tennessee and USC... We will all feel a lot better about the Utah loss. I know the Utah loss is one thing, but we'll feel better about this team this season because those would be two notable wins after the season, regardless of how bad those teams uh, could be if they were both, you know, non-bowl teams. We would say those are two nice wins, right? To beat those programs, that's part of independence. You're not only you're not always going to beat good teams when they're really good. Why did BYU beat Wisconsin last year? Because they weren't a college football playoff team. Had they been, they would have crushed BYU. But that was an 8-5 and five Wisconsin team that BYU beat that day, and it was awesome. It was awesome. Tennessee and USC, go win those two. We'll feel, a little, we'll feel better. If BYU beats Tennessee, there will be understandable hope for the Cougars and their chances in Week 3 against USC. If BYU loses to Tennessee... How many people think the Cougars are going to come home and beat the Trojans and avoid an 0-3 start? If you lose to a team that just lost, lost to, to Georgia, Georgia State, State, that's not good. BYU has to win this game. We talked about it Monday. Like, you would think, logic tells me, BYU has to beat Tennessee if there is any hope of beating USC. And I know they have their backup quarterback, and it's a trap game for the Trojans because they play Stanford this week. And then they play Utah on a short week after they come to Provo. But... 
BYU's got to take care of business against Tennessee. And they're a three-and-a-half-point underdog right now. How about, we haven't talked a lot about that. BYU is not expected to win this game, according to those unbiased friends in the desert. Huh? Oh, they're biased by money. <laughs> That's their bias. <laughs> a win against Tennessee would soften the blow a little bit, but I think it's more important that it would help the fan base and the team and everyone involved with BYU football feel better about their chances against USC and starting the season 2-1. and one. How about that? Like if nice. BYU beats Tennessee, hope is high. They come home. They finally take care of business at home against a good team, and they're 2-1. and one. Yeah. At that point, I think the loss to Utah is way more diminished. Where well, it's like, oh, okay, it was a season well, opener in Utah. Maybe they're a top-10 team at that point. It's like, oh, they're really good. I, I BYU's 2-1. Extreme take here. I think if BYU won every game the rest of the season, there'd, there'd still be some separation of the Utah game and the difference between the programs and – quote-unquote talent gap and all this stuff, right? To me, the Utah game is one thing. The rest of the season is another. It's just separated, I think. Topic two, how many carries do you want Tyson Williams to have at Tennessee Saturday? I want Tyson Williams to carry the ball 20 times every game. 20? 20 times. Okay. 20 times. I think that gives him a great chance to run for 80, at least 80 yards if he has 20 carries, and I think he's probably going for a hundy if he has 20 carries. Five a pop. BYU won't face a better defensive line than Utah all season long. Well, maybe Clemson in the playoff. (laughs) They will not face a defensive line like Utah's all season long. And BYU still had some success with Tyson Williams against that Utah defensive front. They just didn't run him a ton. They were set. They were committed to the pass. Well, BYU played from behind most of the game. So you have to pass a little bit. 4.2 a carry, right? BYU was fine. That's fine. 20 carries. I don't think that's too much. Zach Moss carried the ball 29 times. and They're playing a, for, with a double-digit lead. They're trying to salt away some time. That makes sense. 20 to Plus, me, he was the best player on the field for either team. Seems healthy. And maybe I should say 20 touches. So maybe it's 16 carries and you catch four passes for Tyson and, and Williams. How many were designed for Tyson potentially, um, but it, where it's an RPO run-pass option and Zach's got it in Tyson's belly and – uh, nope, I'm going to throw it, or yeah, I'll give it to Tyson, right? One of the best runs Tyson had, in fact, his longest run, was a run-pass option where Tyson went uh, over to the left side, James Empey pulled around, and it was a nice block, got down the field for like an 18-yard gain. My number is 15. I'm, I'm there. I, I just wonder, yeah, how many times uh, Zach's going to keep it himself, or Zach will just run, or BYU will pass a bunch. And Tyson Williams says he doesn't have a specific number in mind. Whatever it takes to win the game, um, that's kind of just how I feel, you know, because uh, sometimes you may not need to run it as much, and sometimes you, you, may, you, may, you may have to. So I think it's just um, just based on the game, how the game flows. And it, it does depend on that. BYU intended to – Tyson Williams, uh, you know, was, was told at halftime that that was the game plan. Hey, we're going we're gonna to give you the ball against Utah. But BYU goes down 16-6, and then – uh, two plays later, they fumble it in an attempt to hand it to him or not, right? So, yeah, more of Tyson, obviously, 6.4 a carry. They're, Tennessee's saying the same thing about Ty Chandler, by the way. He ran for eight yards carry on, what, eight carries, I think? So, or five carries? So they have the same predicament on the other side. Give me 20 touches, whether it's all 20 runs or 16 runs catching four passes. I want Tyson Williams to have the ball in his hands at least 20 times a game. I would love to see what he can do against a team he's played twice, against a team that he's scored against, by the way. 
he's played in this stadium. He's the only guy that's been there, right? And um, it, it's going to be exciting to uh, to see Tyson Williams, an SEC guy, against an SEC team that is wounded. Feed him the rock. For our final trending topic, we're going to our live poll presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We invite you to weigh in on this final trending topic by going to vote.byutv.org. The live tally you can see on your television screens for the following question. Who will be the biggest offensive weapon for BYU against Tennessee at Neyland Stadium this Saturday? Is it Zach Wilson, Mm -hmm. Tyson Williams, or Matt Bushman? Jerem, how would you answer this poll question? I'm going to answer it by going to the website, and I'm clicking on Zach Wilson. Watch. Boom. Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson, to me, is the one. I feel like he has the most to prove in this game. I feel like there was a lot of rhetoric, a lot of conversation uh, with him in the offseason about how awesome he was. And it, I think it was deserved after the, uh, the bowl game, but it was the best and worst thing that could have happened for Zach Wilson. Now he he's, uh, and the team have been humbled a little bit, right? It didn't go as they were hoping. Um, there were moments of brilliance this uh this run from Zach Wilson was amazing, right, for 26 yards. I think Zach feels he has something to prove. He's 0-2 against Power 5 teams, both losses against Utah. This is just his third Power 5 game, second on the road. He's got to show that he's the man. And I, I think if Matt Bushman had a great game, that we would probably credit Zach Wilson equally or more. So to me, it's Zach versus Tyson in this, and I think Zach Wilson will be the guy. We're going to learn a lot about Zach Wilson because this is the first time in – this now his ninth start, that he's faced real scrutiny and adversity and criticism. Last year it was, ah, he's a freshman, yep. he's 18. You're graded on a curve, yep. Whether it was Northern Illinois or Boise State, he didn't play well against New Mexico State. It's like, oh, these are freshman moments. He was 19 all year. 19, yeah. right. Yeah, That's yeah. okay. Yeah. So then he goes all summer after that perfect passing performance in the bowl game and is told that he's the golden child, and it's hard for that not to seep in at least a little bit, right? Sure, sure. Well, now he throws two pick sixes against Utah. BYU loses 30-12, to and the losing streak against the team he grew up rooting for is now at nine. And, and two com- for him. And two for him. And the team. And the team. Yes, and here comes the criticism. Zach was understandably and noticeably different when he addressed the media. Very to the point. Very businesslike, even in my one-on-one interview with him. It just, the focus has shifted for him. I'd assume he'd be a little annoyed. I'd be annoyed. He's totally annoyed. We didn't play as well as we could have. He's super annoyed. Not everyone understands how it went, right? No, I get it. And I think he's a competitive kid, super competitive kid. So as much as we're like, oh, man, Tennessee's going to be a hornet's nest, I think Zach Wilson not playing well is bad news for Tennessee because I feel like he's dialed in in a new level. Like he, he wants to shut the critics up. He does. He's annoyed and he wants to play well. I don't know if that should be a motivating factor, but it is, it is. I would, if if you're not motivated after that game, then you, you're just not very, you're not a good athlete. Zach Wilson's going to have the biggest impact on this game. Yeah. I I expect him to show up and show his maturity as a 20 year old and he'll bounce back nicely. Yeah, I, I think I expect him to be the biggest offensive weapon with his arm, with his legs. He's he's the guy, not only because he's the quarterback, but I, I think he's a really good offensive player. He can become a great player at BYU. He had a great game against a bad team. I'm excited for him to have a great game against an SEC team now. How would a BYU win at Tennessee soften the blow of the loss to Utah? Time to hear from you, BYU Sports Nation. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. 
This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. C.T. Huey on Instagram says, if Zach Wilson is balling and BYU looks like a well-oiled machine ready to take down the Trojans. Now, balling not meaning crying, meaning balling out, like playing well. (laughs) Okay. Because we have had a situation where there was a quarterback uh, crying on the sidelines here before. Yes. Right? Yes. And it ruined his weekend. (laughs) It did. But then that quarterback won 11 games the senior year. Well, 10 as a starter. Jason Beck. Started one of those. <laughs> okay, coming up, how many rush attempts does the running backs coach, AJ Stewart, want to see this Saturday? And I've got an analogy for how much better I would feel after BYU beats Tennessee following a loss to Utah. That coming up, but not before the voice of the volunteers, Bob Kessling. What's the feeling like collectively for the fan base in Knoxville? He's going to tell us. This is BYU Sports Nation. Bye. BYU Food to Go. The MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Saturday, countdown to kickoff is live from Knoxville and Provo as we get you set for BYU and Tennessee. Game two for both, both 0-1, needing a win. Starts at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on BYU TV and the app. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our question of the day, how would a BYU win at Tennessee soften the blow of the loss to Utah? And uh, this takes me to a quick story I want to share, Jerem, about an experience I had on my mission trip in South Korea. I was hiking a mountain with... uh, my were you, were you at the time, practicing safety zone principles? Uh, no, this was not practicing safety zone <laughs> principles. We were at the top of a mountain, oh, and they had these, these cement pillars that you could jump up on, like do these vertical leaps on. And I was like, that's probably a bad idea that we're doing it. So I slip and fall and hit my shin and gash it open. But I have like a bandana, and so I was able to tie it shut. My friend, Lathan Madsen, does the same thing and gashes his knee open almost exact same injury and goes home and puts some neosporin on it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, are you sure this is, you sure this is okay? He's like, I'll be fine. In the morning we had to go to the hospital. He needed like eight stitches. My doc, my mission president is a doctor. And he says, elder, elder Matson, the, the neosporin is for minor scrapes and bruises, son, minor scrapes and bruises. Not major. If BYU beats Tennessee, Neosporin on a big gouge. Don't you think? Don't you think? Sure. (laughs) AJ Stewart, the running backs coach for BYU, hoping that the healing ointment of a win from Tennessee will set BYU up on a nice path to take on USC and then Washington. Are we going to see more Tyson Williams? Jason Shepard, one-on-one BYU Sports Nation, all access with AJ Stewart. All right, AJ, when you look back on the film of the Utah game, from the running back perspective, what were your takeaways? I thought we played hard. Um, I thought our effort was there. Uh, we got to clean up a little, a uh, few things technique-wise and, and assignment-wise. But, uh, you know, big, the biggest thing for me is, you know, if, if our guys go out there and play with great effort, uh, we can coach the other things and, and get better from, from the film. And I thought they did that uh, for the most part throughout the game. You know, when talking with players and other coaches, it really does seem like, and everyone wants to look and say maybe there's all of these issues, but it really is just kind of minor tweaks and execution things that 
things could have turned out completely different, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I tell my guys all the time, you know, the game of football, you never know which play is going to be the play. And uh, we had a few of those plays that uh, were the difference, you know, in, in the game. And it, it weren't the all, it's not always really the glamoring ones like, uh, you know, putting a ball on the ground or things. It could be as, as small as missing a, a blitz in protection, you know, or uh, not getting out on your route fast enough and things like that. And so we're huge on the details here, and that's something that uh, we feel like if we play with, with details, play detail and, and assignment sound football we'll have a chance and uh that's the the goal moving forward is to just uh clean it up a little bit more and and uh just play pay a little bit more attention to detail and i think we'll be good how do you think the the guys um rallied against the going up against a, a defensive front that kalani said maybe maybe the best you'll see all year long I think our guys were willing to, you know, be in a battle. You know, I, th- I think uh, for the most part, our guys did a great job. You know, they were, uh, like I said, the effort was great. Um, our technique could be better. I mean, every team in the country is going to say the same things, you know, after after the game. And uh, we just made one too many, you know, mistakes as a, as a team. And, and that was the difference in the game. And so we just got to go back to the drawing boards. That game's in the past. Um, the best thing to do is, is to not forget about it. I don't believe in forgetting about it. I believe let's remember, you know, the things that led to, um, you know our demise so to speak and let's let's take our game and, and take it to another level maybe take a step back so we can take multiple steps forward and uh, that's what our guys are doing there they had a great practice one of the best Tuesday practice I've ever been around in my whole uh, entire coaching career so th- that's the type of guys we have here at BYU the past is in the rear view it's time to move forward and um, everybody's willing to do their part that's what I was going to ask you. How hungry is this team for a bounce back? And going on the road, this team has said how comfortable they are playing on the road. How hungry are these guys right now? Uh, I believe they're very hungry. Uh, we're a family. We believe in that here. And, and we're, the reason we call ourselves a family is because we we glue together when, you know, when we hit adversity, you know. And so we've we've seen a little bit of adversity this season. We saw some last year. So this isn't, you know, this is our first rodeo. Uh, we know how to bind together and just keep working. And we know that uh, if we ca- keep sawing wood, so to speak, you know, good things are going to happen. And that's the mentality of this team. Nobody's given up on, on each other. Uh, the coaches haven't given up on players. Players haven't given up on coaches. Um, players haven't given up on players and, and the whole the whole deal. And we're just focused on this next opponent and, and doing whatever we can in our power to uh, to do our 111th and, and get the job done. You know, I'm sure last week the hope was to be able to run the ball more, but especially in that second half, possessions were so limited, you really just didn't have an opportunity. In a perfect world, if everything's going the way you want it to go, how many rushing attempts do you want out of this offense in a game? That's a tricky question. I mean, I think our offense is built to take what the defense gives us. Um, like you said, we were very limited. We had five plays in the third quarter, and so that kind of dampers. And when you look at the stat sheet, you say, man, that's a huge disparity in, in certain areas. But when you get behind for one, and then we only have five plays in the second half, and you're behind, it skews the, the stats a little bit. But the, the key thing is we're not we're never going to try to do something that we're, we're not, and we're going to go into a game plan think you know with a good amount of run plays that we feel like uh, uh, can have success and we're going to have pass plays and you know screens and all those type of things and if we call every single one on a sheet that's fine if we call more runs that's fine whatever we need to do to win um, that's that's honestly the the approach that we take on this offense and I love being a part of that knowing that we're always going to do what we can to uh to to have the best chance to win in his carries against Utah Tyson Williams looked really good and I, I've got to imagine that that one of the things you guys are going to certainly try and set up against Tennessee is to to really make sure that he gets going and not just him but obviously all of the running backs 
where he's played at Tennessee, is that something you can kind of rely on a little bit? He's experienced that atmosphere before. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, actually watched him, you know, his film when he was at South Carolina and uh, just as, as we're getting ready for this game and just I watched it uh, with him, uh, just him and I, we did, and just seeing how much he's grown already as a running back from even last year and uh, how much more confident he is in certain areas of his of his game and decisive he is. And so I've, I'm really uh, expecting really good things about uh you know, through him this week, and I think uh, his mentality is, is right, and he's he's the type of guy that's going to just do whatever we ask him to do. If you know, if how, it doesn't matter about the touches, it doesn't matter how many plays he's in, he's going to maximize his opportunities by uh, just being where he's supposed to be and, and playing as hard as he can. And um, so, good things are going to happen for him because of that. From what you've seen of the Tennessee defense, do you think there will be opportunities? With the rushing attack, I think so. I mean, every game we feel like we can run the football. Um, we have one of the best O lines, I think, in the country. Uh, we have really good tight ends. Uh, quarterbacks make good decisions. We have talented running backs, um, and we have receivers that you have to respect. And so, we're always going to have a great game plan. We have uh, Coach Grimes is, in my opinion, probably the best run game coordinator in the country. I mean, he's he's never going to be satisfied with going into a game not feeling confident about running the ball. And so, I'm just a lowly running backs coach. <laughs> just make sure our guys stay in the right area and. Uh, uh, they're making the right reads and all that and just, you know, let the scheme take care of it and let the guys that we recruit take care of the rest. And, and that's kind of our mentality. Speaking of the environment, we know, that, you know, the checkered end zones and the orange and 100,000 plus people. What have you guys been doing to kind of prepare for that atmosphere? I think anytime you play in a uh, you know a loud stadium, uh, one of those historic stadiums, you want to uh, try to simulate crowd noise as much as you can. And so we've been doing a little bit of that, uh, playing fight songs and and You've been playing Rocky Top. Yeah, yeah, playing a little bit of that. Uh, usually it's really cool throughout the week. We we play it so much that everybody just remembers it. And so we get in the game, it's we kind of make fun of it. You know, it's like <laughs> all right, here we go again. It's the same stuff we've been hearing all week. And uh, I think you kind of saw it last year. We played Wisconsin. We played jump around all week. And when we got in the game. We knew they were going to play it, and we just we felt good about it, and it didn't really intimidate us. So that's kind of what we, we just want to prepare our guys, especially the ones that haven't really been in uh, in huge stadiums and played under you know those type of uh, conditions and with crowd noise and all that. We just it, we over exaggerated in practice, and it's kind of funny, and and you know we play their hokey you know songs, whoever we're playing against, and all that. But it's um, it's it's out of respect for our opponent, and just understanding that we need to put our players in the best position to be successful. This goes back to the question that, that I asked you earlier about how hungry this team is. You know, the narrative out there, especially nationally, is Tennessee. They're going to be angry and they're going to look for, for revenge after losing at home to Georgia State. Is it safe to say you guys are, are going out on the road with that same mentality? I think so. I mean, uh, we definitely have have to get back, you know, playing the type of football that we think we, we are as a, as a team and as a program. And uh, that's really our motivation. We we try not to base our motivation off of any other opponent. It's, it's internal and we want to be the best versions of ourselves and we feel like if we do that we'll have success no matter who the opponent is but um, they just so happen to be the next opponent up and uh, no matter what the scenario was we'd be locked in and we'd be ready to roll but um, I think it does help it's a little added motivation to kind of get the th- get everything back rolling and, and get our swagger back so to speak. What's it like to have college football back? I mean just in week two NFL starting this week I mean football is back. 
Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, so we played on Thursday, and so we, you know, we worked throughout the weekend, but got home to in, in time to watch some games, and it was really cool. Just you know, seeing a lot of my buddies out there on the sidelines, and we're just watching you know different offenses throughout the country, and just guys run, go out there and make plays. Man, it's, it's the best time of the year. And uh, as a coach, people don't you know we see it the game a little bit differently. I'm sitting there looking at it's all oh, they're in a the cover two, and they're bringing field <laughs> pressure and just all those. And so I usually sit in my basement and just watch it on my own because if I'm with a group, they don't understand anything I'm talking about. And so I, I try to take the coach hat off as much as I can and just sit back on the couch and, and enjoy it. And, and uh, I bring up to our running backs all the time before our meeting starts, I usually ask them a question like, hey, when was your first touchdown? Or, uh, you know, what's the best game you've ever been a part of? And we just we always need to remember, man, we're, we're blessed to to be a part of this and so I'm still a huge fan at heart and I, I love the game as much as I did you know when I was five you know or six years old growing up and seeing it for the first time all right last thing and uh nobody will be surprised that I'm going to ask you this question as we do this interview our St. Louis Cardinals are in first place by a couple of games in the NL Central we got one month left before the postseason what are the chances our boys are going back to uh, to the playoffs I think absolutely going back to the playoffs. I think we'll win our division. If not, we'll get a wild card spot. But I, I'm, if we play the baseball we're playing right now, uh, going into October, we have a chance to, uh, to bring home some hardware. Oh, that's what I like to hear. AJ, great stuff, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you. AJ Stewart, one-on-one BYU Sports Nation, all access with Jason Shepard. Of course, he asked a question about the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't remember being interested in that. That's weird. Coming up, she's the only head coach BYU women's soccer has ever had. Jennifer Rockwood is in studio. And the voice of the volunteers, Bob Kessling, will join us live from Knoxville to give us an idea of what the fan base is feeling and what kind of crowd's going to show up on Saturday at Neyland Stadium. This is BYU Sports Nation. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, a lion, a therapist, and a dancer walk into a stadium. What do they have in common? I don't know. I'm going to have to watch to find out. Watch it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a Thursday. We are essentially 48 hours and change away from BYU and Tennessee lining it up. And to get you set, let's revisit our BYU Sports Nation headlines. Yes, BYU football leaves for the Volunteer State today as they prepare for a highly anticipated showdown with the Tennessee Volunteers this Saturday evening. The Urgency Bowl. Both teams trying to avoid a very rare 0-2 start countdown to kickoff begins at 6 Eastern, 4 Pacific on Saturday. Jamal Williams and the Green Bay Packers open the NFL regular season with the Bears of Chicago tonight. Williams ran for 464 yards and three touchdowns last season. 13th ranked BYU women's volleyball hosting Long Island University tonight at 9 Eastern as part of the inaugural BYU doTERRA Classic. Play continues tomorrow when the Cougars take on Sam Houston State and then in-state foe Weber State on Saturday. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the voice of Tennessee Volunteers football, Bob Kessling, making a return to the show. Bob, nice to have you on again. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you again. Bob, uh, simply, what's the current mood like in Knoxville after that shocking, stunning Tennessee loss to Georgia State last week? Uh, Shell-shocked. I don't think most people can still believe that it happened. And uh, it was just uh, uh, alarming, I guess is another good word, just on – what lack of uh, urgency Tennessee had in the game. And they, uh, you know, it, it looked like that uh, they hadn't done much game planning for Georgia State, that maybe they were thinking about some other games in the future. And uh, 
they didn't make many adjustments and just didn't play with a lot of urgency. And I think you're right. This is the urgency bowl for both of these teams coming up. What's, uh, what's the mood in terms of the next step? Because it could be a great or terrible thing from the BYU perspective coming in. Oh, perhaps this team isn't as good as we were expecting. Yet, uh, I'd imagine that Tennessee would be even more focused and motivated going into this game now. Well, you hope that Tennessee learns a lesson and that they got to be ready to play and that uh, they understand that uh, you just can't uh, put your helmets on and show up and, and win. And, you know, it, it, but when you're a, what, 25 or 28-point favorite and all those type things, uh, you know, maybe sometimes the motivation is kind of hard. I don't know. There's that's When you only play 12 games a season, that's kind of hard to understand and accept. But uh, I think Tennessee will play better. I think they'll play harder. I think, uh, you know, a night game in Neyland Stadium is always special. People really like those games around here, and it is kind of an electric atmosphere. And uh, So I think they'll be motivated. I think they'll play. I, they, I think they're just all embarrassed by what happened. And, uh, you know, Tim Priest and I, we were calling the game, and, you know, midway in the third quarter, uh, Tennessee's not playing very well. You, you just expect – that, okay, they haven't played well, and, you know, maybe they've overlooked this team, but they'll flip the switch here and figure out a way to win this game. Well, they could never flip the switch. And uh, so I, I would think they'd come out with uh, more motivated, and and um, I would think they would play hard Saturday night against BYU. Bob Kessling, return visitor to BYU Sports Nation, voice of the volunteers with us live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Bob, we're only one game in, but because of what happened, have the volunteers reached – desperation level for a win this week against BYU? Well, I think the fans have. You know, I'm not sure the players have. You know how coaches and players are. <laughs> well, it's one game. You know, we'll, we'll be better next week. And, you know, you don't let uh, one loss turn into two or three losses and those type things. Now, the fans, um, they were distraught, I think, at what they saw and the, the, the effort and the misalignments. And, the, you know, one time Tennessee had a chance to, to – um, get off the field on a third down play and uh, they got caught with too many men on the field. And the guy that was trying to get off the field was just kind of jogging. And a lot of people didn't like that. They were a bunch of misalignments. Uh, they tried to play a lot of folks. They, they played, I guess, nine offensive linemen and they were rotating those guys. in. a couple of guys played two or three positions during the game. Well, not three, but two at least guard and center. Brandon Kennedy was the center the whole time, but in the defensive line, they played, probably 10 or 11 guys and they were rotating them in. And, and so sometimes it looked like a fire drill out there a little bit running guys in and off. And, mm. and, uh, that, and that led to some, some of the misalignments and, and uh, they just look like a confused football team. And I think even the coaching staff admitted that after the game, that they just uh, um, sometimes when you get those misalignments or the wrong packages on the field and um, it, it was just hard. Now, with all that being said, give Georgia State some credit. Their quarterback, Dan Ellington, was a, a, a junior college transfer senior. Uh, he was a terrific quarterback in that game. He made all kinds of calls and got him out of bad plays. And you could t- He was running the option, and Tennessee didn't look uh, at all prepared to stop the option. But you could tell that he was getting the line of scrimmage and seeing where Tennessee was lined up. And maybe if they had the play call to the right, then he would switch it and go to the left. And uh, Tennessee never figured that out. And he's, you know, he's not a great thrower, but he made a couple of terrific throws, one on a touchdown to McCoy. So, you know, you got to give Georgia State some credit. They came in, uh, and I don't know if your if your listeners know what happened in the game, but second play of the game, Tennessee's backed up, <clears throat> uh, opening possession, 
and they throw a swing pass to Ty Chandler. Well, it was ruled a backwards pass. He fumbled it, didn't catch it, and Georgia State recovered at the 23-yard line. And about four or five plays later, they just march it right down the field and score to take a 7 to nothing lead. Well, that drive and that turn of events gave Georgia State all kinds of uh, confidence that they could play with Tennessee. And uh, so it was 17-14 Tennessee at halftime. And then in the uh, third quarter, Georgia State takes the opening kickoff, and they just march it right down the field. And, I mean, they're going in big chunks right down the field and score – and then Tennessee knows it's in a ball game, and Georgia State knew they were in a ball game too. So uh, that uh, give them credit; they outplayed Tennessee, and they they uh, out hit Tennessee, and they out tackled Tennessee, and they did a lot of things in that game to win it. And uh, it was no fluke. And now Tennessee's got to come along, and and they've just got to get better this week. Bob Kessling calling it how it is. Hey, we look forward to that night atmosphere at Neyland Stadium this weekend. We appreciate the time and your busy schedule, and uh, we'll see you in Knoxville. Yeah, it'll be great, guys. It'll be a, it'll be a fun night Saturday night, and uh, and I think the folks uh, from uh, out there in Provo when they come to, to Tennessee, I think they'll enjoy the atmosphere and just the night game at Neyland Stadium. But appreciate the call. You got it. Thanks, Bob. Okay, take care. Tennessee play-by-play man Bob Kessling on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. Coming up, meet BYU alum and Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid's twin, <laughs> Randy. <laughs> And the BYU women's soccer head coach, Jennifer Rockwood, is now the prestigious owner of the bobblehead uh, class, if you will. Got her own bobblehead. That's big time. Fantastic. Cougars ranked number 10. She's joining us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. You know who doesn't have one? Us! We're not. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow night, 10th-ranked BYU women's soccer host rival Utah on BYU TV, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, BYU TV, and BYU Radio. The last Utah win in Provo, 2007. This should be a fun one tomorrow night. Oh, I'll be paying attention and watching it live on BYU TV from Knoxville, Tennessee. We welcome you back to BYU Sports Nation, and we do so by welcoming in our guest with a stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In her 25th year now as the BYU women's soccer head coach, Jen Rockwood has a win percentage of 74.7%. Nice. She is with us now in Studio B, 375 career wins, taking your team to 19 NCAA tournaments, two Elite Eights, five Sweet 16s, 12 conference championships. I could go on and on, but you may have just received the most distinguished honor of all. And that is being immortalized in a bobblehead, Coach. This is, this is awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, it's a little intimidating, a little scary, but uh, <laughs> it turned out really cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. And obviously a, a lot of people have helped me get to this point in 25 years for sure. It's, there's a good amount of bobble there, too. Do yeah. you like how it turned out? I do, yeah. You I always wear I, the hat. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe some sunglasses, but, you know, <laughs> you always have to have the hat outside. Got to see your eyes, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you appear to be bearing gifts. I do. We, I we have this for you guys. Oh, thank you. The goods, the swag. Thank 25 you. years. Well, that's so cool. Little 25 logo. years. I know, crazy. Thank you. You're really nice. Yeah, thank I can't you. wait to rep this. This yeah. is fantastic. And our new scarves for this year, oh, too. Oh, very nice. Because, you know, soccer, you got to have scarves. Got to have a scarf. I'm a little, um, yeah, I'm a little cold, so this is going to be good as well. <laughs> it yeah. is cold it's only, it's only like 95 degrees outside. You're wearing it scarf style. It, it is cold in this. St- absolutely, I am. Wait, scarves are a soccer thing. Yeah, so absolutely. You've got to roll with them. Do you, do you have a uh, like professional team that you follow? Like in the English Premier League um, or La Liga or something? I'm a big Barca fan. Okay. So, yeah, I, I follow them a little bit. Yeah. And I've become a Manchester City fan. Okay. 
You Man know. City, not Man United. Man City. Yeah, well, Is it Man because City's... they wear blue? No, it's because they're coach. <laughs> I, I, okay. Yeah. But, okay, before we dive into your team, you went to the World Cup this I summer, did, did yes. It was fantastic, yeah. I went for six days and got to see five games. Whoa. I uh, went wow. to the two USA uh, uh, gra- uh, games and then also got to see Argentina play, uh, who we got to play in April. Mm-hmm. So, wow, it was, it was a quick trip, but got, got a lot in, and it was just amazing to see the excitement for women's soccer over there. It was crazy. That's Outstanding. Awesome. Yeah. Of note, the first 1,000 fans to the game tomorrow night between BYU and Utah will receive a custom Jen Rockwood bobblehead. <laughs> I will be one of those. <laughs> I will make sure yes, I get one. Yes, yes. Your team has gone from unranked to number 10 <laughs> in three games. I mean, that's Quite the jump. I can't take you seriously with a scarf like that. <laughs> yeah. But it's a good look. It is, it a, is good a good look. look. Thank you, Coach. Yeah, that's yeah, a good look. What does a top 10 ranking at this juncture of the season mean to this team? You know, we usually don't talk too much about the rankings. We've been fortunate to be ranked a lot over the years. And, you know, we, we try not to talk too much about them. But, you know, this is it's a pretty big deal for these, for these girls to be, uh, you know, set at that standard. Um, we knew coming into the season that we had a, a great group coming in, coming back, a lot of returners, a lot of leadership, a lot of experience. And we added an amazing group of freshmen that have already been significant to our team. And, uh, you know, we just got off to a good start and we, we went on the road and played two SEC teams and had some good results and then played really well in our third game. And, you know, hopefully people just recognize we've got some pretty good players on our team and uh, we're, we're moving forward and getting better. There was a great crowd in the home opener against Southern Utah, and you end up giving them seven goals in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, then tomorrow night, Friday night against Utah. Mm-hmm. What do you expect for that one in, in what will be an amazing matchup on a Friday night against the rival? Yeah, I mean, that's what you want. You know, school just started. We've got uh, freshmen and kids coming back to school, and uh, an amazing crowd for us against Southern Utah. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're even going to get a bigger crowd. The girls love playing in front of that type of atmosphere. It gives them a lot of energy and excitement, but you know, Utah, we play them every year. It's a great rivalry game. It's, it's great soccer. You know, we have a, a roster full of a, a lot of Utah kids, and so do they. So all of these girls, you know, grew up playing together uh, against each other on the same club team, same high school. And so there's always kind of something to prove, similar to the, the rivalry that football and basketball have with them. But um, it's, it's always a pretty close game. It's, it's always very dramatic. It's very back and forth. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to come out with the energy that we had in the last game. And um, we've been working a lot on our attack in the last couple of weeks. And uh, we've got some great uh, players, attacking players, that uh, can score some goals. So we hope to put a few in. Jen Rockwood in her 25th season as the head coach of BYU women's soccer. Her team ranked number 25. 10 after 3-0 start yeah. is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I'm always interested to hear different coaches talk about the rivalry game because every coach has a very strong opinion. Yeah, it's just another game, nameless, faceless opponent. Other coaches are like, oh, no, it, it, it matters more. Where do you stand in that conversation? I'm probably right in the middle. Um, you know, we try and approach every game, as every coach is going to say, with equal importance. But it, it really is true in our sport. You know, you only get 19, 20 games, and those games are your resume to the tournament. And so if you, it's hard to slip up, and even one game uh, can, can make a huge difference and so you know we talk about southern utah game was just as important as our alabama game you know utah is just important as our southern utah game and so you have to approach every game pretty consistently and not let the emotions get too up and too down um but you know there's a little something more to the utah game um we've been on the on the winning edge of it uh, over the last several years and so there's an expectation i think our team have and our seniors certainly have trying to get their fourth win uh, in a row over them and so it puts a little bit more pressure but again we're trying to thrive off of the pressure this year, and, and we want it. We want that target on our back, and we want everybody's best shot. 
And you get it uh, a lot of times. And you certainly have some of the uh, star power with at least Flake and Michaela Coulihan and company. Tell us about some of the newcomers that are making an impact right away. Yeah, we have a, a freshman, uh, Jamie Shepard, starting for us. You know, uh, Olivia Wade was a freshman starter, played pretty much every minute last year for us. And she's on a mission right now. And so we'll be excited to get her back. But Jamie Shepard has been able to come in and, you know, an yeah. all-American player and has a lot of experience, played on the same club team uh, that, our, that Steve Magleby coached. And so uh, we have a lot of familiarity with uh, with her and how she plays and she's been able to step in it's such an important position for us and she's done an amazing job we've got um, SJ Affleck that's coming from uh, North, uh, Southern California um, who's got a lot of minutes and, and has started a couple times um, Rachel has has done really well we've got some good depth coming off the bench right now and that's really exciting I think it'll be one of our deeper teams we've had I was just waiting for Olivia Wade to show up on the yeah. preseason All West Coast Conference team, like Paige Barker that did. Was when she yeah. so on funny. Yeah. She's on a mission, not even here. It's like she's not even on the team. Yeah. Well, she made that much and, of an impact. And, yeah. and let's address that. Um, when the mission age changed, mm-hmm. um, it was kind of like, how will this impact the program? How has it impacted the program? Yeah, I, you know, when it first happened, I really didn't think it would impact it that much. You know, in the past, our, our girls played their four years, and then if they wanted to go, they went on their mission. But it really had an impact. We had five girls decide that very first year. You can't, you know, we're recruiting two, three years in advance, and so you can't replace that. And wow. so after we kind of went through that cycle of that those couple years, and it worked out really well, and most all the girls were able to come back and get back right at it. And and uh, we figured that whatever happens is, is great. You know, the girls have a good experience, but you look at the return missionaries, Paige, came back right away and had a significant contribution to us her senior year. You've got uh, Rachel Lyman, um, Alyssa Jefferson, Josie Manuel. We have a lot of return missionaries right now, and then we'll get some back next year. We'll get three back next year. Coach, thank you for the scarves. Yeah, appreciate it. For the polos. We love to rep BYU women's thank, soccer. Thanks for winning the most. And thank you <laughs> that, for that, That's yes. the thing that's the that, most That's fun. what makes it so fun. Yeah. So that is the plan, to keep winning. Thank so. you for 375 wins. Well, thank and you. And 25 years. That's incredible. Thanks, It's going to be a fun season. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Okay, coming up, which teams are preseason picks to win the West Coast Conference? And a look at the Andy Reid family tree. <laughs> Randy! Randy Reid! No, not the BYU basketball player, the other one. This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guests, BYU running backs coach A.J. Stewart, the voice of the Tennessee Volunteers, Bob Kessling. And we just spoke with her in her 25th season as BYU women's soccer head coach, Jen Rockwood. It's awesome, man. Shows on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let us whip it. Whoops! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars in the NFL. Jamal Williams and the Green Bay Packers open the NFL regular season with the Chicago Bears tonight. The Bears! Williams ran for 464 yards and three touchdowns last season. Volleyball. 13th ranked BYU hosts Long Island University tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific, part of the inaugural BYU doTERRA Classic. Play continues tomorrow. When BYU takes on Sam Houston State and Weber State on Saturday, BYU 2-1 going into this evening's game. Brendan Sander had 10 points, including 7 kills, a block, and 2 aces as the U.S. beat uh, Cuba in 3 sets. Uh, To win the Norseka pool, the U.S. plays in the semifinals tomorrow. Basketball. Nick Emery responded on Twitter to the NCAA's ruling yesterday regarding the vacating of 47 BYU men's basketball wins in the 2015 and 2016 seasons. Emery tweeted, quote, Coach Rose and BYU have nothing to do with any of this. I didn't make some right decisions, but a lot of these things were blown way out of proportion after my divorce by people who wanted to ruin me and my name, end quote. 
cross country. West Coast Conference coaches choose number two BYU men's cross country and number six women's team to repeat as conference champions in the annual preseason poll. Tennis. Men's tennis announcing their 2019-2020 schedule. They will open up the fall portion of that slate September 20th in Tucson, Arizona. Soccer. And the men's soccer team will hold its blue and white game tonight, 7 Mountain Time locally at Southfield if you want to attend. Today's rise and shout-outs now. For me, Jeremy, it goes to all of the BYU football players starting their respective NFL seasons this weekend. Jamal Williams and the Packers kick it off tonight. Yeah. There are, I think, at last count, 10 BYU guys on current 53-man rosters. That number's growing. It's fun. Utah's 13, I want to say Utah State has something like that, or 12 or so. So, oh, the talent gap in the NFL. <laughs> My rise and shout-out goes to Randy Reed, the fictional brother of Andy Reed, who is uh, Eric Stone Street of Modern Family. <laughs> the Chiefs put out a video, and it's really funny. He goes around <laughs> as Andy Reed's brother, and everyone plays along. It's really funny. Yeah, he talks about what type of salt was he talking about in the video I saw. Did he put some, put some high mountain salt on that? And, and Travis Kelsey's like, we have that in the lunchroom? He's <laughs> like, shouldn't you be out there? He's like, no, not right now. He's patting the coach's butts, and they're like, that's a player thing. Mostly I just love that his name is Randy Reed, and there is a Randy Reed in BYU sports history. Yeah. A basketball player. Yeah. Randy, Randy didn't transfer. It was Robbie, right? Yes. Robbie went to Michigan? Yeah. Uh-huh. Our question of the day, how would a BYU football win at Tennessee soften the blow of the loss to Utah? Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resorts, Eli Manet answers on Facebook, a victory over the volunteers would definitely reinvigorate the fan base. However, for those of us who are reminded of the results of the Utah game on a daily basis by Ute fan coworkers, it'll take a lot more to soften the blow of the Utah loss. Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate, right? It is what it is. And that's why I say it's kind of two things. The Utah loss is there. It's, it's going to be there no matter what BYU does this season to a degree. But BYU can make up for it in some ways, right? If BYU wins the next two, I think we're all feeling a lot better. The means matter, too. If BYU beats Tennessee 9-7, to it's not going to feel as good as maybe you're hoping. But if BYU goes out there and puts up 30-plus and wins, we're going to feel like, okay, here's that explosive offense. Hopefully BYU didn't turn it over as much. Both teams turned it over thrice yes, last yes. week, by the way. That's a storyline. Brutal. And uh, in comes BYU with three notable games. Uh, left on the schedule in the next four. Got to win this week because Tennessee is the worst team in the first four. A win against Tennessee is Neosporin and a Band-Aid on a significant gash on the leg. Now, if you beat USC, it starts to heal up a little bit Hopefully more. Hopefully, BYU's not a 19-year-old trying to figure it out. <laughs> they have a 20-year-old quarterback, though. Sorry to Dennis Pitt, ran out of time. Conversation Hello, continues. Hello. 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSF. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Robbie Reed. There you go. See you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. I'll be in Knoxville. I'll talk to you then, Jerem. Goodbye.